Hello, this is Dan Jones here to share another quiet talk with you. Have you ever heard that word, that word that that I used for the title this week, bibliolatry? It's sometimes used by people who criticize those of us who give such a high place to the Bible in our teaching and preaching. Some in the church say we should talk about Jesus and not so much about the Bible. The Bible has some hard things in it, and lots of people don't like some of the stuff in there. Well, let's talk about Jesus for a minute. Do you believe in him? Do you believe he came down from heaven and was born of the Virgin Mary? Do you believe he performed miracles, even raised the dead? Do you believe he died at Calvary for the sins of mankind and rose again from the dead on the third day? For about 2,000 years, believing all of that has been considered essential if you call yourself a Christian. So I'm going to assume that if you consider yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus, that you believe these basic things about Christ. So let me ask you, where did you get all of this? Where did you get the idea that Jesus came from heaven and was born from a virgin? Where did you learn about his death and his rising again from the dead? Were you just out walking one day and all of these ideas came to you? Of course not. All of these facts about Jesus Christ came to us from the Bible. It's obvious that in the very first years, the story of Jesus was passed around verbally by his apostles and others, but it didn't take long before they began to write these things down. The apostles of Jesus Christ were not going to live forever. So it was necessary to make a permanent record of the gospel. We call this the New Testament. It is essential to the Christian faith. If we didn't have it, we would have no coherent teaching about our Lord who died for us and rose again on the third day. We would have nothing. Where'd the idea of writing down religious teaching come from? Well, Christianity sprang out of Judaism. Judaism had holy writings that were considered authoritative. Jesus was a Jew, and Jesus freely quoted from what we now call the Old Testament. He affirmed its authority and divine inspiration. The Hebrew scriptures predicted in many places the coming of the Messiah, It predicted where he would be born, what his ministry would look like, and even some of the details of his death, a form of execution which was not yet in existence when those things were written down. For the first Christians, and indeed for Jesus himself, the Hebrew writings were indispensable. They couldn't have imagined this new faith without the scriptures. So let's talk for a minute about the Old Testament. Who was the first writer of the Word of God? Moses? Ha, gotcha. I knew you would say that, and you're wrong. The first writer of Scripture was Almighty God, who himself wrote down the Ten Commandments with his own finger. I don't know about you. But the fact that God did that sort of emphasizes the importance of the written word to me. God told them to make a golden box 
which was called the Ark of the Covenant, and to put what he had written down inside and keep it forever. As a matter of fact, that box containing God's writing was the centerpiece of their worship. They built a very fancy tent, we call it the tabernacle, with exacting specifications with an inner sanctum called the Holy of Holies, where the ark rested. That place was so holy that only one man, the high priest, could go in there, and he could go in only once a year. The manifest, visible glory of God hovered over that golden ark containing the tablets God himself had inscribed. So you see, the idea of the written word of God has a long and holy history that we cannot ignore if we call ourselves Christians. Peter, the leader of the apostles of Jesus, wrote, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. He was referring, of course, to the Old Testament Scriptures, Those who wrote didn't make these things up, but they only spoke as they were moved or carried along by the Holy Spirit. The writers of the New Testament claimed the same divine authority. I think it's interesting what Peter said about the writings of the Apostle Paul. Those two sort of butted heads one time. You can read about that in Galatians 2.11 in the following verses. But here's what Peter said. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures." Now, for them, the word scriptures, which is a translating translation of the Greek word graphe, which means writing, for them it was a technical term. It spoke of the inspired word of God, which had been written down by holy prophets of God. Peter classed the writings of Paul with the so-called scriptures, or the divinely inspired writings, which for them were spiritually authoritative. Jesus used this word a lot. In contending with the Sadducees, a a group of Jews who didn't believe in the resurrection and rejected most of the Old Testament, he said, you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Every time the Lord Jesus Christ used this word, it was in reference to the inspired writings. Joshua had to follow a man of whom it was said that no prophet before or since had arisen who knew God face to face. How would you like to take over for that guy? 
I would think the expectations would be pretty high. So here's what God said to him when he was about to assume leadership over Israel. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. God told Joshua that his strength was in the written word. The word would give him courage and wisdom, and by focusing his mind on it continually, he would be successful and prosperous. This book. Throughout the history of the church, there have been obviously many times of apostasy, times when the church strayed away from the ways of Christ. In every case, Restoration was effected through a return to the authority of the written word. The most obvious example is the Reformation under Martin Luther, who noticed that the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. The revival under John Wesley in England in the 18th century, a revival, by the way, which kept England from the kind of bloody and destructive revolution that occurred in France, was a revival of the preaching of the word of God. In our own lifetimes, we have seen the witness of an evangelist called Billy Graham. That great man powerfully preached the written word of God. I never heard him speak on anything else. When I was young, I got to meet Billy Graham. I asked him if he had any advice for a young man going into the ministry. He said to me, study the Bible and nothing else. I've tried to follow that good Council. We all know, according to John chapter 1, that Jesus is the Word of God. He is the Logos, the message from God. When we get to heaven, we won't need Bibles anymore. We will be face to face with Christ forever. But right now, we definitely need our Bibles. You wouldn't know that Jesus was the Word if you hadn't read it in the Bible. You want God's help? Do you want him to work in your life? In the last chapter of the prophecy of Isaiah, we read these words. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, may we hide it in our hearts. May we order our lives according to the written word of God. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you, dear friends. Again, pray for us at the Bread of Life Anglican Church in Schenectady, where we meet Sundays at 10 o'clock at 1809 Union Street. Keep us in your prayers. As always, you can reach me by email at father.danjones at outlook.com. May God bless you.